0: Hello and welcome to the For The Win Podcast. I'm Ted Berg, joined on the line today by my colleague and occasional nemesis, Mr. Luke Kurdineen. Luke, how are you? (laughs) What's
1: up, Ted? How are you?
0: I am doing well. Uh, It's a big week for both of us.
1: It is. It is very big. Um, I thought you were going to continue on that sentence. No, that's I'm all sorry. I was to say. It's a big I, week I, for both of us. I didn't, I didn't mean to cut the, I didn't mean to, uh, cut the enthusiasm. I mean, it is a very big week, um, albeit for very different reasons.
0: Right. Um, so, so we're going to do, as we like to do, The uh, name some of our favorite things of, of the week in sports. And uh, I guess for, for both of us, it's a little bit of, of what's coming. And uh, for me, a little bit of, of what's what's happened in the past couple of days. But, you know, and, and uh, I'll mention it straight up, the, the Masters happens starting now, starting Thursday?
1: Starting Thursday, yeah. Okay. Practice rounds are going on, par three contest tomorrow, but the tournament itself starts Thursday.
0: So we're speaking on Tuesday. Uh, before we get into it, tell me about, because uh, you're, you're tasked in this podcast with, with something quite difficult, which is making me interested in what happens in this golf event. What's up with practice rounds? Is that fair? I feel like maybe that's, do they all get to play practice rounds?
1: They all get to play as many practice rounds as they want. But it's actually quite interesting you say that because I never, see like, the, can I just back up and say the really interesting thing every time that we talk about golf, and and I presume you feel the same whenever I talk about baseball, is that when the other person has like... It's such an outsider view of these sports. You start, like, posing these questions that you never actually think about, but you're actually kind of right in some ways. So, like, for example, like, it is kind of unfair because when, you're, when you've are when you already won at the Masters, then you're essentially guaranteed to be able to play it when, like, if you're Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson, rather, um, you can play the Masters kind of at any given point in time that you want. Um, Wait, but just... if
0: so, if you're a really dope golfer who hasn't won the Masters, and you show up at Augusta and you're like, "Hey, it's me, uh, Dustin Johnson," is that a guy and has he won the Masters?
1: He hasn't won the Masters. Okay, man. so
0: great, that's a good example, right? That's a famous golfer guy I'm aware of, and he shows up at Augusta and like knocks on the door in, say, the middle of June, and it's like, "Oh, it's me, Dustin jo- Johnson. Can I come play here?" They're like, "No, sorry."
1: Augusta is notorious, for, notoriously strict. Like, if Dustin Johnson just wanted to play, he wouldn't be allowed to just play. He but would have I, to I play mean, with I, a member.
0: I believe he is a man, though, right? So that gets him into Augusta.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, he is a man, um, which, <laughs> which gets him in. Though they do have female members now, just to put that out in, right. in, in its defense. Super um,
0: woke at, at, down in Augusta these
1: days. <laughs> super, super aggressive place but um but yeah no he would have to play with a member John spieth played with tom brady um augusta national i believe two weeks ago and um in the picture he was playing with a member because that's uh, uh that's that's those are the rules at augusta national and you can't and you dare not break the rules of the most prestigious golf course on the planet
0: and tom brady is a member
1: no, 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 Tom Brady, sorry, I should have clarified. He and Tom Brady played, Speeth and Brady played with a member. Okay. But, like, if it was just Spieth and him, no, they wouldn't, they wouldn't just let them out. They'd have to sort of play with a member.
0: I think you can make a fairly. Tom Brady is a member, but I won't go into that. Uh, let's, let's, <laughs> um, let's, let's get into, so I want to start, though, I want to get back to, we're going to get back to golf. We're going to talk about golf stuff. And you're going to sell me on, on what's interesting about the Masters and, and everything else. And and sounds like a fairly interesting event coming up for a variety of reasons. We'll talk all about them, but I get to go first with my favorite thing. And my very favorite thing in the world, baseball, started up this week. So that's my number one thing. It's, it's that it was opening day. I hate the new thing where now they play... It used to be they played one opening night game on Sunday night before the season started proper on Monday. Now they're playing three. It's dumb. It cheapens the whole idea of opening day. I get that. Baseball probably makes a lot more money off it. I get that. I, like many, many baseball fans I know, spent my whole day Sunday watching live baseball, which I wouldn't if it were, you know, on a Monday because I would be at a game, and so this afforded me the opportunity to watch all three of those games. There's a lot to that decision that probably makes sense. I don't particularly like it. But what I do like are early season performances. It's been such a story for baseball about stars. And and now, you know, uh, the baseball players you know, right, Uh, Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, David Ortiz, have all retired. They're Mariano Rivera, like all the famous guys of the past generation, are gone now, and, and there's sort of this vacancy for baseball megastars. Bryce Harper is kind of the guy everyone knows because he's been tapped since birth, basically, to be the chosen one in baseball. Uh, but, you know, Mike Trout is, a, is, is the best player, and I've been fairly invested in, you know, growing his, his name and, and his reputation myself. Uh, there's a lot of great players right now, uh, probably more great young players than the game has ever really ever seen before. And on opening day, Bryce Harper hit a home run, Mike Trout hit a home run, Clayton Kershaw pitched really well, Noah Syndergaard pitched really well, Manny Machado made an incredible diving play at third base. It feels like, I feel like, and and maybe I feel like this every year, I don't know, uh, opening day is a time of great hope for baseball fans across the country because you don't know that your team sucks yet, uh, but I feel like this is going to be a really big year for some of these top-flight young baseball players, and it's really cool to see them all on display doing the thing that they do really well on opening day.
1: You know, I, so I, I actually i am happy that you brought this up as your first because I was working on Sunday, as I usually do, and everyone's tweeting about baseball, and I'm like, oh, cool, opening day is, on, is today on baseball. Uh, uh, baseball's opening day is today. And then we get in on Monday and everyone's like, you know, smiling Charles Curtis, our colleagues, all talking about, oh, nothing better than opening day in baseball, you know, and I'm like, well, this is starting to get a little fresh, or starting to seem a little hypocritical here, or it's starting to seem a little contradictory. I mean, what what is going on exactly? With
0: so, so it used to be that most teams, and I don't know that there was ever a time that all teams played on opening day, uh, they tend to schedule a lot of off days early in the season more than they do towards the summer months because there's more, the weather is more of a variable, right? So you give a team a day off after opening day in case opening day gets canceled and they got to play the next day. Uh, Or you give, you know, if they're starting on the Tuesday, you give them the Wednesday off, stuff like that. Uh, But for the most part, it used to be that if it were, if there were 26 teams, then, you know, 24 of them would be playing on opening day. And they almost all played day games, and that's the day. That's the day the baseball season starts. And then uh, probably now I'm old, right? It's probably 20 years ago now uh, or something like that. They started adding opening night. So they would play a Sunday night baseball game, uh, tap into the primetime audience just before the the real bulk of the season started. But now they've expanded even that to including games. Uh, They had a 1 p.m. game, a 4 p.m. game, and an 8 p.m. game. Uh, which was great. I watched all three. But it's very much... It's very different than baseball tradition. And baseball is so deeply rooted in and fueled by its traditions and these sort of like this nostalgic sense that comes with it. And so, to me, the Sunday games sort of cheapen what I think should be a national holiday, which is opening day. And in my book, it should be all 30 teams play. They all play day games. And that's the start of the season. But Yeah, and...
1: W- it's well, bad. that's the thing, like, it seems like, I mean, are people up in arms about this? Because this seems like a pretty big oversight, right? Um, like,
0: I've been up in arms about it about the past. Like, a couple years ago they had, so now sometimes they'll also do, like, a, seasoning, a season opening series. Uh, baseball is very invested in, Major League Baseball is very invested in spreading its brand overseas. But it can't do what the NFL does and have, like, sort of a mid-season game in Europe or anywhere else. Because the travel schedule in baseball is just so rigorous that the, the idea of a team making a road trip to London right in the middle of, you know, probably playing 18 games in 20 days or whatever else, I think is just, it's just too much to ask. And I think the players' union would, would revolt if that were to happen. So now, once every couple of years, they'll do a series overseas. So they had a series in Australia uh, a couple of years ago. And that was really the first proper regular season baseball game. Then they add the Sunday night game, and then they have you know some teams playing Monday and some teams playing Tuesday. And so, what was this one sort of sacred opening day? It can sometimes be spread out across three or four times, three or four different instances. Now, uh, I am sort of in arms about it, and I think there are like I'm crotchety about some things, and that would be one of them. I think that most people kind of are like, ah, all right, well, you know, Sunday night you want that primetime game to kick off the season. This year's Cubs Cardinals sort of, you know, the Cubs are the it team right now in baseball. Cubs Cardinals is a huge rivalry. It's always been a huge rivalry. The, tri- the Cardinals do extremely well in terms of TV ratings cuz every Cardinals fan watches every game. So, it makes sense like I get, I think everybody sort of gets that it's for it's for money and for getting more eyeballs on the sport. But to me, so like when I was a little kid and this was my favorite thing ever, uh, every opening day, I would I would leave school. Like I would I remember being in elementary school, and it was like the most exciting thing in the world. You'd be sitting there at eleven fifteen in the in the morning on on just any old school day, and the principal would come on the announcement on the little PA thing we had and be like, "Well, will Ted Berg please come down to the office?" And that that meant uh, I was leaving early to go watch a baseball game. And like I actually one of my one of my best friends through my whole life. I saw yesterday at, at at City Field, and now she's taking, and, and she used to come, we used to go together, uh, she was like my family friend, my next door neighbor growing up, and now she's taking her own kids out of school to come to opening day, and, and she said that like at the kids school, there was a whole list of kids who had the opening day excuse, and to me, that's like such an exciting part of the baseball season, just again, it's like so... Uh, It's such a long endeavor that's about to start, and for me, it means my whole summer, every summer, is baseball, right? Like, I'm watching baseball, I'm playing baseball, I'm I'm talking about baseball, now I'm writing about baseball, and the start of the season is just such a, like, monumentally exciting thing, so I love it being uh, the traditional one day, this is opening day, and I think every kid should be out of school that day.
1: All right. Well, I, 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 I agree with that. Take, you know, negligent parenting is a long American part of a American baseball tradition. I did okay. I did okay in school. I mean, I did well.
0: Taking three hours off every once in a while wasn't, wasn't holding me back too much. You know, I, I, uh, it worked out okay for me. So, so I think it's good. And, and I think, you know what, like, I you know, I don't, I don't want to give unsolicited parenting advice. That's not really my, my bag or something'm I'm, I'm, I'm well versed in but I do kind of think it's cool to, to show your kids that like school doesn't need to be a
1: number one priority all the time especially like we were and in fairness and in fairness you did become a baseball writer so right? that was pre- so, yeah. so so in terms of um, pulling you missing a day at school like what was more beneficial the fact that you went to X amount of opening days or that you would have spent X amount more days in school like there could be no more relevant infam- um no, no more relevant lesson to be learned than going to actually watch baseball you probably should have watched more baseball
0: right um, I mean I, and now I can say as a baseball writer that I've been to 29 of the Mets' last 30 home openers, which is pretty cool. Like guess that's, that's something I can say that not a lot of people can say, and, and it gives me a little bit of cred. But let's get in. Let's move on. Let's go. What's your top thing?
1: So my first topic, um, it's, it, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll talk about how the Masters every single year voluntarily and willingly leaves hundreds of millions of dollars on the table. And it's an interesting contrast between, you know, baseball, a, 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 a game that's very proud of its traditions, as golf is, but it's leaving, um, it's leaving one of those behind an opening day because it's because they're rather just cash in at this point. The Masters does exactly the opposite. When push comes to shove, when it comes to a question between maintaining its traditions or uh, grabbing money, they always lean towards maintaining tradition. Now.
0: Well, give me an example give me an example of why they're leaving hundreds of millions of dollars on
1: the table. Okay, so we're going to talk about food in a bit. But yeah, um that's my there's a reason thing.
0: so don't, so don't don't
1: I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil it, but, don't scoop basi- but basically the way most sporting events work. If you look at the Super Bowl for example, the NFL has the Super Bowl. It goes out and then it it goes to a television it goes to a television network and says or you know in the Super Bowl's case bunch of television networks and it essentially creates a bidding war for this product right and so you know fox sports will will spend ungodly amounts of money purchasing the super bowl which then they'll okay sort of laying out because then they'll um they'll leverage that Make, make it all
0: back and then It'll make income.
1: it all right. back and more with um, with advertising. So the way the masters work is they don't even bother trying that they have the most they're sitting on the most valuable golf event, one of the most valuable sporting events in the world. And they don't even bother negotiating it out. What the, the way it works is they have a long-standing agreement with CBS um, that they they selectively chose CBS and continue choosing CBS because they like the way because essentially they like the business partnership they have Augusta maintains full control over its over its product essentially and um, the way this works is that it will allow CBS to broadcast it and whatever costs that and whatever it costs CBS to build the infrastructure required to broadcast this event at the very end of it all, they'll essentially send a bill to Augusta National and they'll say, you know, I I spent $30 million or whatever. That's uh, $30 million. Let's just pull a random number out of the air. um, Getting staff down there and crews and cameras and everything set up. And Augusta, Augusta National will inspect the bill and then they'll just hand it over to its business partners, its corporate partners who are uh, let's say IBM of uh, of course a big one and there there are a few others who will then just meet, who will just match the bill so, Wait, augusta so National.
0: so CBS doesn't pay to broadcast the masters
1: no it sends it sends the uh, it sends the masters a bill essentially and says this is what it cost us to broadcast the masters
0: is that because and, i'm sorry is that because everyone involved at augusta national just has like such an inconceivable amount of money that they don't even need to gain what they're going to gain from selling those broadcast rights?
1: Yeah, exactly. And like, that's the thing, like the currency- Well, you
0: present that as a good thing and I'm not sure it's a
1: good thing. (laughs) Well, it's it's just an interesting thing, okay? It's
0: definitely
1: interesting. So we're talking about currency here, but the thing that I, I implore you to keep in mind and everybody who wants to understand Augusta National to keep in mind is that this place deals in currency, but it doesn't consider Money a very valuable part of currency, if that makes sense. I mean, the way the currency it chooses to deal with is prestige, tradition, image. These are the kind of things, these are the currencies that they value a lot more than money. Well so when
0: wait, it, wait, because I'm a cynic. I'm a cynic. And so now you're saying so you're saying they they value prestige and tradition and all these things. What does it cost? What does it cost to be a member at Augusta National? Do you have any idea?
1: Not as much. I have no, I don't know what it is right now, but um, considering it's one of the swankiest, most exclusive, best golf courses and clubs in the world, um, it's not as much as you might think. I believe it's some dues are somewhere in the, um, I I believe the initiation fee, I'm not sure what dues are. I believe the initiation fee is something like $25,000, which again is a lot of money, but compared to some of the to, to to some of the golf clubs out there, which can get to quarter of a million dollars initiation fees, okay, it's actually not that much money. It's more it's more about um, it's more about Augusta National choosing who it wants to be in its club. Okay, so,
0: so that makes me feel because I, w- I was gonna say, well maybe they're giving up on this broadcasting rights thing and giving and focusing on prestige and tradition because that allows them to sell that when it comes to selling the memberships. But if you're telling so, me it's so, not as much as like a, a, say, a Mar-a-Lago, then which I assume costs tons,
1: yeah oh um, a ton, ton probably a ton. Augusta
0: National doesn't come with the president's ear, but that's a that's a different story. But uh, actually, okay, I res- I respect that if they're not. They're, like, again, like I will fall back on saying like everybody's just so rich that it's like we don't like. Oh, yeah. No,
1: it is. Like, look, you don't get you don't get to a mindset where you don't care about money without already having it. Right. right. Like that's that, that's very much true. Um, I think with Augusta National, what they do is they make about they, they sell. They have basically a small handful of advertisers. Right. Like IBM being one of them. Um, and through an IBM and a bunch of other and a handful of other companies who are sort of the corporate partners of Augusta national will both just cover will essentially use Augusta national as the intermediary to cover all the expenses involved that goes into broadcasting the uh, broadcasting the event and whatever left over is usually in the sort of 30 million dollar range Augusta national will take that money and will then use it to maintain the golf course and and buy properties up around it and things, which again, $30 million is a lot of money, but it's not the kind of, If if Augusta National wanted to leverage this golf tournament the same way the NFL does the Super Bowl, where they're banking hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, or maybe even charging pay-per-view, as they were rumored to be doing about 10 years ago when all the sponsors were boycotting Augusta National, they would make hundreds of millions of dollars. They're just not interested in exercising that option. They're not interested in making money off concessions, like the Super Bowl is, for example, which we're going to talk about in a bit. So, So that this is their mindset when it comes to everything. And I find it just fascinating that in this age of sports where everything is geared around commercialism and stuff that Augusta National doesn't really play that game. And it's just it's so unique to it to the tournament and to the place itself.
0: Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports the For the Win podcast when it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender. It's important to work with someone you can trust who has your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. Whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank, skip the waiting, and go completely online at quickenloans.com slash FTW. That's quickandloanscom slash FTW. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, and org number 3030. Yeah, I mean, and that's going to be my next thing, because you told me about this, and I had no idea that this was the case, and I still can't wrap my head around it, because I'm going to I'm gonna remain cynical about all of this, and I'm sorry to tell you that, but <laughs> I just am. I just am. I'm just, I'm very suspicious of the golf world and extremely rich people, and so it's hard for me to believe that, that they would leave money on the table. Uh, it sounds like you, you're you telling me they do. I don't have a good way to refute it. Uh, but but what is fascinating here, and, and you just pointed this out, and this is my second my second favorite thing, uh, the food at the Masters is like basically free. I'm looking at the menu you posted it on on for the win this week, and pimento cheese sandwich a dollar fifty, barbecue sandwich three dollars, uh, light beer four dollars. This is like this would be cheap. I mean if if I went into if I went into a bar in New York city. And they were like, yeah, the light beer is $4 and we'll sell you a chicken sandwich for three bucks. I feel like this is the best bar in the world. This is the, this is the place (laughs) for me. This is, I mean, that's, that's cheaper than a bar. That's not inside a major sporting event. What's the deal with that? How does, I mean, that's the same idea. They, why do, why do they want their food to
1: be so cheap? So, yeah, so this goes back into my previous point where Augusta national, aren't trying they're not like the Super Bowl and they're selling popcorn for $14 because they're trying to hit max amount of markup right like they don't care about making money on their food like they may break even with their food maybe they're almost certainly losing money selling food this cheap but the reason why they're doing it is because they want and so you could be cynical and you could say well Luke they're not leaving money on the table this is a Investment in their own brand, in the brand that is in Augusta National, right? That, that would, like be, that's my take. You could, could reason it like that, and and it's really hard to.
0: But, How much does it cost uh, to get in? How much does it cost for a ticket?
1: Well, so you can't buy tickets through Augusta National. <laughs> um, they just don't sell tickets. You need to kind of know somebody. If you get them on the black market, which, again, Augusta National discourages, and recently they actually go and buy black market tickets. <laughs> you can't buy them that way. But if you manage to get your hands on one through the black market and it's legitimate, the they're looking black at... black
0: market? Like, what does that even mean? Oh, oh. Are, you, are you like, is it like, do you want a kidney or an Augusta National <laughs> ticket? Where, where is the black market?
1: Or you know, outside the if you, if you buy them off a scalper, okay. or if you buy them online, um, if a secondary market is the proper term. Yeah, I suppose. Um, or but you know, there is a black market where you just go and buy for them from a scalper. But in any case, they're looking at upwards of sort of in the, I believe, two thousand dollar range per day um, is what I, is what I see is, is what is the prices I saw floated around this week.
0: But what? So so how do you? If you had to be a member to get a ticket is that right how do you get a ticket not on the there's platform?
1: a wait list which takes a million years to get on you have to members get a certain amount of tickets um essentially you have to be on a you have to be on a list that you get on ages that, that you that you have to line up to get on and once you, you have
0: get
1: to those, shake some pretty important hands you have to something. shake some hands and um but yeah so but, Back to the food question is all well, this means again, Augusta makes about 30 million dollars a year in air uh, through its own ticket sales and through. Um, through television and everything. But again, it's, they're leaving a lot of money on the table. There. But with food, this is they're just not trying to make money is the, is the short answer to your question on their food. They're trying to have people go to Augusta National and be like, oh my God, this is amazing. I can buy beer for $4 and a pimento cheese sandwich for $1.50. This is awesome. This is like a, such an amazing, unique fan experience. So that's that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to have you go to Augusta National in person and be like, and go back to your friends and say, this is, it's the most incredible place on earth. I bought an amazing pimento cheese sandwich for less than two bucks. That's what the motivation is for this.
0: It, it sounds like, it, what's, I, I, this sounds too good to be true. I'm sorry. I just, this sounds, this all sounds too good to be true. Is there like a seedy underbelly or something? Are they, are they like making food out of people? What's that, what's happening?
1: I think, I mean, look, like, you could sell any kind of food for this cheap if you're not marking it up, right? You're, we're just yeah. so used to... this looks to, like it's food at cost. This is essentially food... At, well, it is food at cost, Except right? Like I would
0: say the beer, I mean, a, a $4 Bud Light is probably... There's yep. some markup there, but yep, there's who knows some what mark. licensing fees and, and alcohol licenses they need to sell to sell beer there.
1: Exactly. But yeah, like again, we're just so used to going to, especially at sporting events where the markup is so high because there's no other options to buy beer so they can charge 15 bucks for a beer and you'd be like, oh, this is this is good. This is a deal. Food um, can just get this cheap when you're not marking it up. And Augusta National, the simple answer and the true answer is that Augusta National simply isn't marking it up because they just don't want to. They, they want They want fans to be able to enjoy cheap food I because have... they think they think that's good for the brand. That makes people want to go to the Masters because it's one of the many reasons people should will want to go to the Masters.
0: I have another food point about the Masters, too, and I want to bring it up in one second. But before we do, hey, have you have you been to the Masters?
1: I have twice.
0: Um, have you had this food? Is it good?
1: I have. It's very good. Pimento I- cheese. Some people love the egg salad sandwich. I am a die-hard pimento cheese lover.
0: Both available for $1.50. So you could really have both and it's just not going to make too much of a dent. If you have both for the price I just paid for churros on the subway from a woman selling them off a cart. So
1: <laughs> Now, uh, to be fair, these aren't huge sandwiches. Like, they're, they're... Yeah, but
0: they're still sandwiches. They're
1: still sandwiches, yes. I, but they're not subway footlongs. You have,
0: know, they're... they're yeah, but subway footlongs are gross. Uh, <laughs> have, you had the, have you had the Georgia Peach ice cream sandwich?
1: I haven't, actually, that, no.
0: That is speaking my name right now. I'm looking at the menu, $2 for peach. I feel like peach ice cream, to me, is like a very underrated ice cream flavor. Very uncommon still, even though peach-flavored stuff is so good. Um, I would like to see more peach ice cream and a peach ice cream sandwich. That, that That is calling my name. I love $2, totally reasonable. But And I want to get more to more of your Master's points, but I also want to note that one of my very favorite, one of the things I legitimately really do think is awesome about the Master's is the tradition where the guy who wins gets to say what everybody has for dinner. <laughs> That's
1: <laughs> it so is. cool.
0: And then they make that, whatever you want, they make like the best version of that and they feed it to everyone.
1: Absolutely. I mean, again, like if you want to understand Augusta national, this is the cut, like you win the masters, you get a green jacket. You're one of us. Now you can, you can serve a champions dinner to our fellow champions. You know, it's all about like the mindset of, being indoctrinated into this club. But this year, Danny Willett, the defending champion, got to serve his uh, his champion's dinner and he had a very British menu. I was extremely proud to be British reading this menu. Did he have, um, like...
0: Cullen's gink and and a soup. Well, <laughs> he,
1: foods, but. He, had, he had mini cottage pies. He had a Sunday roast, which was prime rib, roasted potatoes and veg and Yorkshire pudding and some gravy, and then apple crumble and some coffee and tea for dessert with some, with some biscuits and cheese. What would be your master's meal? Oof. I, I feel like I would go... Hmm, this is actually a really good question. I feel I mean I'm a How do you sucker not know
0: this? How are you a golfer your whole life and not have it planned out? That's like it's like having like a warm up song if you're a baseball pitcher. You should know this. <laughs>
1: You know, because I, because I, I, never envisioned myself actually winning the Masters. No, well, you know, that's
0: a, why. That's why you're not winning the Masters. Exactly. I didn't
1: visualize it. Didn't envision, you know, I'm a sucker for southern food. It's my favorite kind of food. I spent years and years in the South. We're in the South, so uh, I would have some of the Georgia chefs cook up some incredible mac and cheese and fried chicken and that sort and and things of that sort.
0: Yeah, that is exactly the direction I would go. If not because that's an an amazing food variety Then, kind of to rub it in fuzzy zeller's face because remember that was a thing when that's how i know about this was like there was like a a racial flare-up when tiger woods run the masters guy said oh he's gonna serve fried chicken in the masters and i remember thinking like well what's so bad about that that's probably incredible those are gonna have the best chefs in the world make it fried chicken i want that like do that and i want to come (laughs)
1: I mean, there is is no better food, I think, than southern fried chicken and mac and cheese. I mean, it it will put you out for the count afterwards because you'll be so exhausted, but it is fantastic.
0: All right, give me your next good thing.
1: Next good thing, my buddy, Stuart Hagerstad, playing in the Masters this year, continually showed me up in high school, beating my ass, playing golf. He's doing it again. Um, he won the US, so he's an amateur. He has, a, he has a real job and everything in New York City. But over the summer, he qualified for and won the US Mid-Amateur Championship, which is the biggest amateur tournament in the country, exclusively for sort of, middle-aged people so between the ages of 26 I believe and 45 or something or 50 rather so among those you have to be that old to get you have to be in that age group to get in Stuart Hagerstad is in that age group he got in and he won the tournament in, in thrilling fashion, so he got an exemption into the Masters, as every winner of that tournament does. And he's playing this week. Um, I spoke to him early last week. He's he's not. He he said he was extremely nervous when he first got the invitation, but now he's sort of, you, you know, he, his reality. He's adjusted to the reality that's about to take place. Um, he's he's excited, obviously, and really motivated to do well. Um, he's fourteen to one to finish as the low amateur. To finish up the low amateur in the tournament, so um, so easy money there. There's a for the win tip for you, but yeah, really excited and genuinely excited to see how he does.
0: Wait, so so what's the distinction between the amateurs in the tournament and the pros in the tournament? Like, what if he wins? Uh, I'm not saying he's going to win, and and no offense to your man, but like probably probably won't. Probably
1: not going to win. Probably one one of the famous self guys will win.
0: (laughs) I get that, but like, but it is it's not like. Because it's, it's not like you're going, you're stepping in an NBA game, and now all of a sudden the NBA players are, are defending you, right? Like, it's an individual game. If he has his, like, game of his life, uh, I like, Judge, whatever his name, Judge Smalls, Judge Snails on, um, <laughs> you know, like, that, that, uh, like every, dream shots, everything is perfect, and he wins. Does that count? Did he win the Masters? Does he get oh,
1: he won the Masters. He gets a jacket. Um, Augusta has long maintained that it dreams of an amateur winning the Masters one day. Uh, Bobby Jones, who, uh, of course, designed and founded Augusta National, was an amateur himself. He won what was then considered the Grand Slam. Um, so, yeah, so very it would very much count. He wouldn't take any of the money for it, though, because he's an amateur, obviously, and that's not allowed. That's the difference between the amateurs and pros, basically, is that um, Augusta National... But because, get,
0: I mean, but he'd make bank, right? If you won the uh, Masters as an amateur, you're the biggest story in the world. You're on Good Morning America the next day. You're going to get every sort of, you're going to get a book deal. You're going to get every sort of advertisement you need.
1: Every right? sort of, every sort of advertisement. Yep. And so, uh, yep, that's the difference. So basically, Augusta National's is an independent tournament, so it can hand out exemptions to whoever it wants. It hands out a bunch of amateur uh, a bunch of invitations to the best amateurs in the country this year stewart was one of the best amateurs in the country so he got an invitation and um yeah that's what that's how he's playing in the masters so if he makes the cut as i as i think and hope he will um he won't accept any of the money because he's after all an amateur but that's why he's in the masters
0: wait so wait if you make the cut then they then they can offer you money how does that work
1: oh sorry Yes. Yeah. so um Golf tournaments are four rounds. The first two rounds are before the cut, and then the cut comes down on Friday night, which means that they cut the bottom half of the field. So the so the bottom 50% goes home, and those guys don't make any money that week. Um, they get paid zero. But the top half then continue playing for the next two days. And then... As the leader, and then when the tournament finishes on Sunday, whatever order... Oh, right. I know this finishes. from Happy Gilmore. Yeah, you make yes. money no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. If you make the cut, you will make money. Um, but you don't make any money if you miss the cut.
0: Wait, but, but uh, why would he turn... No, uh, why, I don't... Why would he turn it down?
1: Well, because he's an amateur. So amateurs aren't... The same way that uh, NCAA athletes don't get paid if you're a golf and amateur... Uh, If you're an amateur in the golf world, you can play in PGA Tour events, you can play in the Masters, but if you finish first, second, whatever, you just don't get any prize money. You're not allowed to accept it because you're an amateur.
0: Oh, Uh, well, that doesn't seem fair, but (laughs) you won, you won, right? What difference is it? But I I don't, that seems complicated. I want to move on. Uh, I know you're, you're, uh, you've got a, you've got a thing to do. So I'll go to my next good thing, not golf, really quickly. Uh, only because I just got back from there, and it was just weird. Uh, I was at Yankee Stadium for a food tasting event, which they've never had before, as far as I know, um, uh, where they invite the media to come, and I know you just went to one at City Field. City Field it has been a standard for a while now. Yankee Stadium this is a new thing, and I found that the Yankees have added party decks, which is new for the Yankees. They've added a big kids' playground uh, in the upper deck, which is gorgeous. It has cool views, and it's and it's like a... It's a really adorable playground full of baseball stuff. And now they have a Mighty Quinn's, which I know you know because it's in our neighborhood. Great local barbecue place is in Yankee Stadium. Never been a place known for its food. Never really been a place or a team or a a tradition known for listening to its fans. Known for a fan-friendly environment, right? Like the Yankees are sort of the empire in baseball and always have been but I feel like because the Yankees have gone young with their roster and they're, uh, they're not calling it a rebuilding phase, but they're in a, a sort of a retooling phase where maybe they're not going to be that competitive this year. Now, I think to me, their team is much more exciting than it has been in years, and the game experience looks much more fun than I think I've ever seen it at, at Yankee Stadium. And I think, uh, I think the Yankees are going to be pleasantly surprised to see how fans turn out this year. I think that uh, fans, Yankee fans especially get bored of a perennially good team loaded up with big contract players who make the playoffs and and, uh, then maybe don't advance too deep. I remember, I mean, I think four or five years back, I bought Yankee, uh, speaking of the the secondary market, I bought Yankee tickets on StubHub for a postseason game for like $9 because... It's so old hat to people that the Yankees make the playoffs that fans don't even get that jazzed up for Yankee playoff games. I think that the youth movement, I think that having a bunch of homegrown and and in-house players that fans can see develop in front of their eyes is going to make people really, really excited about that team again. And I think, to the Yankees' credit, they've now done a really good job sort of repurposing the team and the stadium To be something that will be a little bit more exciting and that people won't be bored of and that won't be the same old Yankee thing, which is just like, okay, we'll sign the five most expensive free agents every offseason and keep competing that way.
1: Can I just back up and say that not only thank you for going on holiday during the City Field Food Expo or whatever it's officially called, so thank you for that invitation, but also thank you for the fantastic advice beforehand. Ted, so listeners of the podcast, Ted, an expert in all matters, but especially the matters of stadium food, said, look, man, or look, men, in the case, because Charles Curtis was with me, when you find something you like, they said, "Don't waste your stomach, empty stomach space, eating the things you only kind of like. Wait for the stuff you really like and load up on those." So you know what? There were a few things early, and I taste them. I was like, "You know what? These are pretty good. I would usually probably keep eating this, but I just heard your voice ringing in my head. You know, say, save, 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 the, save the stomach space." And as I got further through the show. My colleague who didn't quite, Charles didn't quite heed your advice as well. He was starting to get very full eating all the sort of B plus food. I saved the summit room for A plus food and it was a fantastic piece of advice because I just loaded up on all the delicious food. So thank you for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it goes against my instincts to throw out food. I try really hard not to waste too much food and you kind of have to at those events, you know? And, and like I said, like just if you're halfway through something and you're like, this is only okay, you just got to throw it out and keep moving because there's so much more food to come and you're never going to eat all the things you want to eat. So you got to, yeah, you got to sit, you got to pace yourself, really.
1: Yep. And Charles did the thing where he felt bad about throwing away the food. So he ate it and was full by the time he got to the cookie dough. It was just, you know, I, I looked at him with pity as I scoffed down all the cookie dough I could eat. I so. heard
0: about the cookie dough. I didn't, I didn't see your video. I was, like you said, I was on vacation but, uh, like, three different people at the Yankees thing today were like, oh, you missed the cookie dough.
1: Alright. <laughs> uh, it was fantastic. I mean, it's essentially – they just is incredibly sweet, first of all. So, like, prepare if you get it. But delicious. And um, they literally scoop it in like it's ice cream, except it's cookie dough. Um, and it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, the Mets have been pushing the limits with food for a long time. So, uh, good for them. I, I, that is That event is my number one day of the year. And while my vacation was awesome – uh, missing on the Mets food tour was that stung a little bit. It stung. Like I, I feel like uh, it was like multiple people have been like, hey I didn't see you at the food thing because like I usually embarrass myself so much that people like remember like oh God like I ate a lot but at least I didn't disgust everybody like that guy did. because uh, yeah, 'cause think- I'm that guy.
1: Yeah, it makes sense now. You know, we held a minute of silence because everybody assumed that if you weren't there, you must be dead. Um, so now that makes sense, looking yeah. back on that. <laughs> yeah, that does make sense. Give me your last good thing. Last good thing, or it's not a good thing, it's an interesting thing, is that the weather's going to be atrocious this week at Augusta National. I don't know if the weather plays a big role in calling baseball games, but it plays a massive role in determining who's going to win golf tournaments. 40 mile an hour winds on Thursday. Rain and rain delays throughout the week It means that players who hit the ball really really far guys like dustin johnson who's already the favorite going in are going to benefit from that because your role is going to be so hard to come by that it's going to be all carry distance um guys who can hit it a million miles dustin johnson is one of them um and also it's going to help putters um rather than putting greens being lightning fast and and incredibly hard to hold with irons coming into the green they're going to be really soft so you can just throw darts in. so again this is all lining up for a big hitter like dustin johnson or ricky fowler's my pick this week a good ball striker and somebody who uh putting is obviously important but it won't be as important as in years past so just wanted to give a little news you can use to our readers out there
0: that is some news i can use i will consider that when i make all of my masters wagers do they do they cancel the masters because of the rain like if it rains so hard will they be like no 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 let's not go anywhere does everybody just golf in the rain
1: No, they'll golf in the rain. They can't golf in the thunder and they can't play golf if the greens are flooded. But Augusta National actually has installed uh, suction machines under each of the greens (laughs) to pull the water that down, through the grass, into this machine, before puddles even form. So um, golfers can essentially just keep playing, um, unless it's thunder, because we don't want a situation where any golfers getting struck by thunder. That would be terrible for the brand of the masters. Wait, dial back.
0: Wait, uh, is this a British thing? Do you say people get struck by thunder?
1: Oh, struck by lightning, excuse me. I I just misspoke. I wish it was. No,
0: no, I didn't know if that was maybe... sometimes. Sometimes you say things and it, it kind of blows my mind because it's like, wait, is that, is that what British people say? They yes, say like
1: perfect? yes, like Adidas, but we won't get into that whole debacle again. Uh,
0: you can check out the For the Win podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud. Check out the posts every week on ftw.usatoday.com. Luke, you are on the internet, and I suppose you're going to be writing a whole lot about the Masters coming up soon.
1: Um, all Masters this week, so check it out.
0: Luke is at, you're at Luke Kerdineen. K- at,
1: yeah. At Luke Kerdineen. So as a, a colleague, a former colleague, Nate Scott used to say, just type in at Luke and then slap the keyboard once and it'll probably pop up. All
0: right. Well, that's that's a good strategy. I mean, it's not that far out of a name. It's just <laughs> a hyphen in there. Uh, it's Everything's spelled like it sounds. So K-E-R-R-D-I-N-E-E-N. Uh, He's also going to have a ton of stuff at fdw.usatoday.com, as I will on baseball. Luke, thanks for joining me, and I look forward to now knowing more about the Masters and your favorite place, Augusta (laughs) National.
1: Thanks, Ted. Always a pleasure.